You're listening to I Got That One. Presented by Tom and Yvonne. Universally challenged, quarterfinal. I don't think it's as complicated as he makes it. Basically, you have two chances. You need to win twice. <laughs> it's difficult. Like, I understand. But you get one more chance if you lose a match. Sure. So basically, you have to win twice. Basically, there are 10 matches in the quarterfinals, mm. is how that works out. Eight in my head. teams and. Well, eight teams, four matches. Yeah. Plus opportunities to get into the semifinals. So we're making it more cute feeling than it needs to be. Okay, But, uh, maybe. Hello, welcome. Maybe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have uh, said, ah, it's easy. I could do it much better and I completely fail. Yeah, you you host it then. Yeah. You read the questions then. Gladly. I would, I would love to get that gig. I mean, yeah. I have absolutely no uh, presentation experience, but whatever. Call yeah. me BBC. Sure. So, um, hi again and welcome. To a new episode of I Got That One. Indeed. Uh, today we are talking, going to talk about Birmingham versus Reading. And I have to say, it is so nice to have a close match again. Yeah. I feel like we've been waiting for a while to have one where it really feels like a competition. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. Both were one of the, I think, the two of the best teams that we've seen so far. Mm. Um, I thought it was intense and competitive from the very beginning. Absolutely. Already with interruptions. Um, honestly, it's the first time I have seen the Birmingham team get nervous as well. Yeah. So it was it was fantastic. It was great television. Yeah. And also it was interesting to see uh, Reading, especially Hutchinson, start getting a little bit nervous as well. And very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely getting, especially in the end, getting very animated, which, yeah. hey, you know. Oh, it's great. I love that. Yeah. I like seeing people really get into this game. Yeah. And, I mean, um, we get into it by making a podcast. I mean. Well, yeah. You know, we were getting excited as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's start by talking about the team performances like we usually do. And I think we should start with, um, unfortunately, the losers of this first match. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not the end of the world, like Paxman said. Yeah, they Birmingham come back. do have a chance to redeem themselves in the next match, depending mm-hmm. on who they match up well, with. Well, the next two. Uh, they next would have two. to win the next two, yeah. otherwise they're out. If they lose the next one, then they're confirmed yeah. uh, out of this. Yeah. But um, I, I fancy their chances, to be honest. They're still a very strong team, I would say, in my book. Mm. So I have to say, this was a phenomenal start on their part. Yeah. It's like oopsie at the beginning with an incorrect uh, interruption by Bartel. But, yeah. you know, it didn't really slow them down at all. No, in fact, they were in the lead for maybe the first half uh, of the match or so. And it was a combination of being very good on their buzzers but also I feel like they were being super consistent with their bonus questions oh yes 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 and it was I think it was a mix of falling into real wheelhouses like you could tell for example McParlin was really having a time of his life oh, with yeah. certain questions he was um, impressed me especially on the crown lands bonuses and a few of the geography questions oh yeah well uh, we'll get into those questions uh, later on sure. but I have to say that cohesively they worked very well yeah and I feel like um, there were some people who were making the same uh, kind of accusations that they were the last time we saw Birmingham play yeah about how they feel like um, Jamie was not being involved very much mm. I really don't think so I think it's just that how they work is that uh, she chimes in when she has an idea mm. not you know just 
you know, not always being looked at if she doesn't have anything to say. And I feel like that's fine, you know. And I feel like we've seen other teams also have ones where it looks like someone wasn't really yeah. getting involved. So yeah. yeah, you know, I think that uh, with every team, you're going to have one or two people that work especially well together, that have that get most of the questions correct. It doesn't mean that everyone else kind of stands by and watches. I do think that they also get involved whenever they can. Exactly. Um, so I don't think we, you know, can have equal expectations for everyone. I think the most important thing is that they all work together. Uh, which I think they did. Absolutely. I think the core of what Birmingham makes what makes Birmingham work is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is definitely they have really strong uh team cohesion yeah. and work very well together. Yeah. But near the end of the match, um I don't know if it was they were finally being outbuzzed by Hutchinson, mm. but also when it got to their bonuses, I feel like something up was not quite working anymore. Yeah, I, I think it, it was just nervousness because as I was yeah. saying before, it was the first time you really saw them get nervous. Uh, we've seen them in the last two matches and I feel like they just breeze on through um, those games, but this is the first time I think they really, really had to work for it. Yes, it also felt like that once they had their the kind of uh, stride broken it's when uh, we started seeing them being a bit less consistent with the bonuses so once they're on a roll they really just get going and yeah. it feels like nothing can stop them but if you're able to kind of put a stop to that train yeah that's when you start seeing oh a little bit of nervousness mm. uh, maybe they're not thinking through the answers as very much maybe uh, you know thoughts getting a little bit too kind of messy to get yeah. a clear answer which is happens to me mm. when i get stressed i have a harder time oh yeah thinking yeah. through it as well I mean, and same here, yeah. yeah often you know I need to let myself calm down for a bit, but you don't have that privilege in this <laughs> format. No. So I don't think it's a question of they're not as good as we think it is. It's just that, you know, when you have that kind of pressure against a team like Reading, yeah. Ooh, I, you know, I say they did very, very well, all things considered, so. and were extremely close to winning, I would say, yeah, at many and, points. You know, I'm rooting for them. I like this team a lot. So let's see. Let's see them. Hopefully, they win the next one. Uh, but we've got very, very good teams now. Eight really strong teams. So really, um, who's to say? I mean, we made predictions, but, uh, you know, who's to say, really? <laughs> who's to say? Speaking of, let's talk about the Reading team. And I think it's become very, very apparent that um, Hutchinson is an amazing quizzer. Yeah, He knows so much. And he's mentioned a little bit how his mind works uh, when he uh, responded to us on uh, Twitter. I would love to you know, talk to him uh, personally. So. Just to see how he kind of processes these questions. I uh, think in particular, there were a couple of starters on the Golden Ratio. Oh, yeah. Um, another one on uh, the Hugo Award winner in 2018. These mm -hmm. things, I think the fact that he was able to get them so quickly, um, really, really impressive. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm really glad he's taking his uh, PGCE because I feel like we yeah. need teachers like this who just, you know, depend love on... learning. Love right? learning, just enjoy learning about stuff because he can also maybe kind of bring that kind of energy into the next generation of kids. Yeah. Which would be fantastic. Uh, no, I fantastic. agree with you. I agree with you. However, Hutchinson is fantastic. Ansley, also very, very strong competitive yeah. player. Yeah. We didn't hear very much from Jesudos or Skopic. Yeah. And... I'm wondering if it's just that uh, we see so much Hutchinson, they're not really getting a chance to shine, or if there is a lot of emphasis on Hutchinson's talent. Yeah, it could be. It could be that as it's, well. I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, word of Hutchinson, they'd fall apart. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that we are putting so much of a spotlight on Reading, sorry, on Hutchinson, that I'm hoping that we're having an Imperial from two seasons ago uh, scenario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where we keep thinking, oh, it's Brandon, it's all Brandon, and suddenly in the, in the final, oh, wait, no, they're it's all amazing. Everyone. It's just that 
he uh, he was taking charge during the beginning yeah, part. Yeah, so I was mean, fine. I, it's not possible to say. I think especially when you have such dominant players, yeah. um, it doesn't mean that the rest of the team are slackers or anything. It's just that they haven't had the chance to buzz as quickly as um, the other person. And I feel like everyone must have qualified, right? So obviously they're all very, very strong in their own right. It's just that we don't get a chance to see it as much in yeah. the 30 minutes that we um, see them. No, for sure. But I also feel like this is uh, emblematic of how we're seeing more and more, I feel, you have strong teams rather than you have one excellent quizzer and then three others who are, you know, they have yeah. their moments here and there, yeah, but yeah. it's more like... We're not seeing kind of the singular person so much anymore. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, as long as the captain or whoever the strongest is um, defers to other people when they know that something's outside their wheelhouse, I think that also um, goes to, to, to resemble a strong team. Yeah, because now I feel like we don't have just one player. We have two or three on a team that work really well together. Mm. For example, Trinity, it's not just Kim. It's not just, yeah. um, you know, uh, Maze and the Imperial team. Yeah. It's, you know... It's collectively together, they are bringing a lot of value to the team. Yeah, I agree. I really feel like it's only Reading where we see, you know, as can be seen with the uh, Fantasy University Challenger oh, yeah. price. Mm. You know, he nearly bankrupted us <laughs> because I uh, signed him. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, he's proven worth the outlay, so I'm quite happy. Yeah, and I'm feeling confident as well with yeah. this team. Do you have any other uh, thoughts on the Reading performance? Uh, no, that's about it. Shall we go into some questions? Yes. And I have to say, um, there were a few that I liked, but a lot were really over my head this round. Yeah, so obviously the questions are getting more and more complex. Um, I quite liked um, the question on Greek terms. Mm. So like axiomatic, anamnesis and arete, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I think it's very interesting when there are concepts in different languages yeah. um, that don't have a single word translation in English because we just don't have a word for that thing or for that phenomenon or for that concept. Uh, and that's a really interesting thing about all different languages and mm-hmm. what what you know they thought was important enough to um, define. Right? Also... It's really fascinating, isn't it, that for a lot of our philosophical terms, when we're talking about oh, it yeah. in, especially in European spheres, we use a lot of Greek terms. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then when we talk about legal stuff, we it's use a lot of Latin, Latin terms. Yeah. So and the maybe, euro, the facto, yeah. a priori. And I think for a lot of mathematics, it's a mixture of maybe Arabic. We use Arabic from... scripts and so like algebra is yeah. from the original Arabic. So I think that's yeah. super cool. And also maybe it could be a sign that, you know, maybe it's a little bit... Um, of a privileged space if you're using a lot of you know, uh, Greek terms like, yeah, of course you know what that means all of these uh, words also continue to exist in for example law medicine mm. I think it's also to kind of create a barrier to entry right yeah yeah the more complex they are the more they warrant extensive study and, and you know only some people will be able to access these things yeah, I think it's quite interesting yeah but uh, this is not a Greek uh, podcast no um one I really quite liked because, of course, it's a history question. I'm going to, you know, show my side there. Was a question about uh, Persia. Okay. Because that was one where I think I got all three of them correct. Yeah, yeah. I think you did really well on that one. Yes. Well, yeah, it's it's because <laughs> you know when it's like which dynasty uh, founded this one. It's like okay, well, if it's at this time, then it's pre-Islamic. Yeah. Can't be that early because that was before a lot of the you know classical yeah, you know Greeks. What? That's happened. probably how a lot yeah. of these uh, quizzes think. Yeah, quite possibly. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, also, I like the ones about the novels of Thomas Hardy. Yeah, I like that too. Violence in Thomas Hardy novels. That's a very specific feature. I mean, when you... How much violence is there? Even if you read just the one Thomas Hardy book, there's a lot of violence. Oh, yeah? Okay. I've he, never read a Thomas Hardy. 
It's basically um, take that you know setting of like I think he was uh, a contemporary of Dickens. Maybe yeah, he was a bit earlier. I think so. But mm-hmm. take out all of the hope oh, right. and morality, <laughs> and it's just you know his most uplifting one that I've read is Tessa de D'Urbervilles, and that ah. ends with the protagonist being executed. Yikes! Okay. And then you know there's others like Judy Obscure, which is so bleak it becomes almost. Um, funny like it's just <laughs> so, it's so much a, misery so it's more a question of which which violence which part yeah you have to be a bit more specific yeah what t- what sort of violence <clears throat> yeah but thomas hardy i feel like uh yeah mm. he definitely did an outlet which has a lot of misery yeah you know, yeah kind of like well, how uh, you know jane austen's uh was a lot of escape of you know, being trapped in yeah, a society and a lot of where kind of absurd plays mm. also about post-world war Two. anyway i also quite liked um the funk rock music round uh apparently there was a sample delia genre that i'm never heard of um that we heard so that was great yeah i mean i know that sampling became a thing sample delia is that where it comes from i'm not sure okay. i think that's a because sampling started i think in the 80s yeah because a lot of especially rap when it was starting was started by people who couldn't afford proper instruments mm, okay. but they were able to get um you know uh, record players because oh that's cool yeah well because there was a big power outage in new york in the 70s and a lot of shops got uh, stolen and suddenly a lot of people had record players yeah. that uh, they didn't have before that's amazing yeah, I mean, these things by the way, this kind of happened. Uh, Watcher, The Get Down, it kind of touches on that. Yeah. Um, cool no, show. but I thought it was interesting, but you could tell that Paxman was not really a fan. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I feel like it's, again, proof that um, when they say popular music, that's stretching the term a scooch. Yeah, well, popular, Although, yeah. I mean, at it's least... Popular in some circles. At least sure. it's a little bit more contemporaneous. This is all music from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to last week, and it was all stuff from... Um, the 60s? Yeah, gosh. Which is, you know... That ancient time long past. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, my, my parents are going to be so upset with me if they hear me say that. I mean, right. we mentioned the one about the Austro-Hungarian um, crown yeah, lands. Yeah, the crown lands. Uh, very impressive by McParlin, I thought. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because often when we look at empires in history, if we're just kind of looking at it at a glance, we just think, oh, this is just one big blob and there was one person at the head. And it's just... You have to remember, this was back before we had email, telephones. <laughs> a lot of places didn't have very good road networks. So it was a lot of devolution down into particular different lands which had a singular person of power. Mm. And it was very interesting to see it for the Austro-Hungarian because it was also a very multinational empire. Yes, it was mainly led by the Austrians and Hungarians, but you know, you had oh, yeah. the various uh, you know, Bosnians, mm. uh, Croats, mm. Czechs, Poles in the southern parts. Mm. You know, it was a really a multilingual, multi-ethnic... A, really, a real smorgasbord. Absolutely. And it was just a small subject of actually just how complex and kind of different uh, oh, book yeah. and parts it, yeah. it was. And um, this would be an interesting uh, one, which you might, might expect. I quite like the one about storms in classical music. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because this is something which I feel like is less done in a lot of music nowadays, mm. where you're evoking the feeling of being in a particular weather period. Yeah, yeah. Or in a particular situation. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you do have it in certain areas, but often it's exploring very human emotions yeah. rather than, you know, the wonders of nature. You mm. maybe feel that a little bit more in stuff like metal and folk rock kind of stuff. Or maybe even country music, I feel. Yeah. The, the, the kind of country where you're born, the land. No, I think uh, you're right there as well. Yeah. But um, especially the popular, popular music right now, it's... And I mean, we're talking Less about so. English language music, but yeah, I think true. there's lots of, for example, Indian music that really does evoke um, land and, and, you know, weather and climate and things like that, rain, you know, so. True, but 
I think especially classical music uh, has that thing where because there is no spoken part, it's entirely orchestral. Yeah. Being a, be able to make you feel like you're in the scenario yeah, is a mood or something. Yeah. Truly, because there's yeah, so many instruments you. that you need to think about as well. Because yeah. honestly, composers are next level when it comes to music creators. I Absolutely. Agree with you. Um, any other questions you want to mention? Um, no, I guess it's a good time to move into some stats. Yes, indeed. I really want to see what these uh, stats are because I had this feeling where for a while Birmingham were really dominating in the bonuses. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that's just uh, how you feel and maybe the stats don't quite reflect that. Yeah. So, um, you know, courtesy of stat, uh, UC Stats of course. from Twitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of starter questions, very almost equivalent. Birmingham, 8 out of 12. Reading, 9 out of 12. Okay. Uh, and then when it came to the bonus questions, you're right. I think both teams did actually pretty well better than what we've seen um, for a lot of other teams. Birmingham managed about 50% of their bonuses. Okay. So not incredibly high, but, you know, solid. And uh, Reading actually managed to get ahead with 68% of their bonuses. 68? Yeah. Mm. So because they got almost equivalent number of starter questions correct, they got almost the same number of... Uh, they were given the same number of bonus questions, but obviously um, Reading just pulled ahead with that with that one. Yeah, I think it's because there were two or three bonuses where they got all three right. I'm talking about Birmingham here. Yeah, I think it was just a difference of a few questions. Obviously. But then there were others where they got none of the bonuses right. For example, the music round and the second picture round. Yeah, uh, yeah. They so were there were definitely three. some missed uh, points there. But so it was overall. a bit more uneven, whereas I feel like we had a slow wrap-up of always getting at least one or two right with uh, yeah. the Reading team. Yeah, I think so. I think it just really comes down to Hutchinson's really excellent deduction skills. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah. you know, he demonstrated he's very keen on listening to others if they have a second uh, or even if they have a suggestion before. Actually, you could tell when he doesn't qu- quite know because if he doesn't know, he immediately starts looking to uh, the people next to him. Mm. If he does know, he just kind of like stares. Yeah, uh, and he just went ahead without conferring for a few bonuses as well. So. Which... Hey, you know, if you're sure, you're sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, great. More power to you. Um, I get the feeling that um, Hutchison is still going to be the most valuable player for fantasy. I think so. Stats. I mean, with seven out of ten uh, correct starters, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, eighty percent of the amount that the whole team got. So it's ridiculous. For sure, that man. So yeah. it is now talking time to talk about <laughs> what everyone really comes to this uh, oh, podcast yeah. for. Right. Time for the best rest. The best and rest. So in three, two, two. one, Sajid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's just a whole ensemble, really. You know. Uh, yeah. I think her hair again on point. I really liked her kind of long sleeve, mm. um, powder blue blouse going yes. on. Lovely. Yes, and the finish on her uh, on the wings of her eyeliner. Work. Oh yeah. Absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know she always puts in that effort. Really, really bringing her a game. Absolutely. Great. Uh, but special mention will go to Alzi because she's always looks very distinguished very as well. Very chic, very distinguished indeed. Yeah, very kind of classic black with a necklace combination. Yeah, and also I really enjoyed uh, Skopik's, uh vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He looked like he had. Uh, he was going to a wedding later on. Oh, nice. He could have been, yeah. yeah. University challenge and wedding. <laughs> could you imagine if that's how you plan your day? Okay, <laughs> uh, I will be at your wedding. However, I do need to go record. To a British uh, university challenge uh, quiz show. Yeah, so so I might be a little bit later. Can yeah. you imagine if that's your conversation? <laughs> so, uh, yes, this is the very first uh, match of the long winding road of the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals, indeed. So, Reading, they've got one. Uh, Birmingham, unfortunately, did lose, but... Mm. 
I fancy their chances of getting at least another win. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see the next Birmingham match because if they lose, they're out. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you don't want that kind of pressure hanging over you, but Oof. I'm sure that they'll be able to rise to a challenge. Yeah. But again, it depends on who they match next because mm-hmm. there's going to be another loser that they match against. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to wait uh-huh. and see. Well. But yes, uh, thank you very much. And if you have any thoughts, if you have your own predictions now that we've seen a bit <laughs> more uh, kind of lights, yeah. please do uh, talk to us on our social media. Yeah, so we are on Instagram and Twitter as I got that one. And you can even drop us an email at... As, at I got that one. No. <laughs> you can even drop us an email at igtopodcast at gmail.com. Well, the first time I fluffed it up. I know, right? <laughs> We've been doing this for what, almost two years and yeah. you just now started messing up. I know. Yeah, you know, we all have our days. So, thank you once again. And until next week, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.